Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lafondra looking to get close side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 Reading. Three points Reading. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Elm Park Royals in association with Blue Collar Street Food. Where were we? It's been a while. Uh, been joined today to discuss what was a pretty big catastrophe by Paul. Paul, how are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Just in recovery from uh, yesterday's catastrophic last 10 minutes. Um, just discussing before, if you could erase any 10 minutes of Reading FC history over the last 20 years or so, there's a lot of good 10 minutes you could get rid of. And that could be a separate topic on the podcast at some point. And just think about that in your own head. If you're listening to this somewhere, walking around, driving your car, Think of all those bad 10 minutes and which one would you most like to get rid of? Oh, for me, it's easy. <laughs> FA Cup against Aston Villa in the quarterfinal at home. Start first 10 minutes of the second half. Terrible, terrible 10 minutes. But Jack, you were at the SCL yesterday for what was a terrible 10 minutes. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I think I've just about recovered. Ready for a little bit of uh, Reading FC therapy, though. It's what this is, always ends up being. It's always therapy. It's never, it's never a nice little group, you know, group celebration. It's always therapy. This. Uh, do we have? But... Do we all have a virtual hug at the end? Like, hug it <sighs> out. Yeah? No, I send you a virtual bill at the end. Is what happens. Um, um, that's definitely getting bounced. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get into yesterday. I'm sure there's plenty of people who are eager to hear about how Reading got on. Paul, yesterday, John Swift was back. Good news. Junior Hoyler in the team for the first time since October 2nd away at Cardiff. Pretty good news. But the rest of the first 11, do you think it was weaker than could have been expected after not having played a game since December the 11th, I think it was? 14th, I'm not sure on the exact date. Mid-December. Yeah. Um, I'm not, it's really hard to know, isn't it? Because it's hard to know which ones have had COVID and which ones haven't. Because obviously that hasn't been disclosed. Um, which ones are contacts? I, I don't know who's had vaccinations. Nobody knows any of that details. 
But I was very happy to see John Swift in the team. Uh, Junior Hoyler, I was happy to see. I wasn't expecting quite such an impact from him. But, yeah, you're right. Maybe I would have liked to have seen an Ovi Ajaria involved back in there. We don't know what's happening with Andy Rinomoto, do we? It seems to be that seems to be just going on and on. There's no clarity on that situation. I wasn't expecting to see Lucas Jow back. Mate, obviously a long distance away, isn't it? Not, not going to be until the end of the season, if at all, this season. So yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen a few more names back in the team. But yeah, maybe drink water. Maybe drink water would have been a good one yesterday. But yeah, we don't know the situation. No, and it seems, Jack, that uh, we're probably now not going to see Andy Yeardon for the best part of another month. Yes, I think um, both him and Baba Raman off to the Africa Cup of Nations is going to be a real challenge for Paunovic and managing what already looked like quite a thin defence, um, but getting even thinner, particularly at those full-back positions, is going to be a real um, test, I think, of how far an already stretched squad can continue to stretch. I imagine there'll probably be some movement over the January window to get a little bit of reinforcements, but I imagine those will be fairly short term. Either that or we start supporting whoever Ghana are playing against in the uh, in the group stages, so it's as few games as possible that they're able to miss out on. Successful, but not too successful, right? That's uh, That's what we're kind of hoping for here. Yeah. Derby did come into this in a little bit of a run of form, Jack. They've won their previous three before yesterday. I think it's fair to say that yesterday was never going to be an easy game. Uh, yeah, I think that's entirely fair to say. Um, if you get rid of the points deductions and just look at how many points Derby have scored this season, they are a mid-table team. They're a mid-table team with a fairly ageing squad. Um, I think we are able to exploit that reasonably well to start off with. Um, but yeah, it was never going to be a completely straightforward game. Yes, they're bottom of the league. Um, I think they will have to make a few um, sales in January to keep themselves afloat. Unfortunately, our two games against them have been before that, so we still have to play Tom Lawrence twice and the rest of their squad. Um, but I think that yeah, it was never going to be a, a straightforward game, but one that you thought Reading would be at home um, pretty competitive with uh, within. I think, Paul, the first 10, 15 minutes, you could probably say Reading were competitive. We did start well, definitely okay at the very least. And our first chance came about 15 minutes in with an Andy Carroll header from uh, John Swift cross. Yeah, no, it's a great cross. Uh, good header as well. I don't think it was a bad... Uh... Header at all, good save from Alsop. I don't think we could do much more about that. Baba Raman tried to get the rebound in, but it didn't quite fall to him. Um, I didn't have many opportunities, though. The whole game was quite stale, quite negative from both sides until that point. At Swift yesterday, um, it was an interesting performance because in the first half, he was far more in the game. And... Just in the second half, you wonder, and I noticed this from the person who uh, is involved with uh, running uh, Not The Top 20 podcast, is it George Ellick, I think, and he was saying about the man management and how we've managed to not get Swift involved. He'd have something like two touches in the opposition half yesterday in the second after, half. After we took the lead, yeah. After, okay, after we took the lead. Okay, well, that's even worse in a way, isn't it? So you, how is that? manifested itself is that a player deciding to make that decision or is that the manager 
because that's ridiculous, really. We've got a player with so much ability in scoring goals and assists, and he's only had one real impact on that match, and that was Andy Carroll having his header, which was a great cross. You want him getting more involved. That needs to be transformed. That needs to be worked on, doesn't it, Alex? It's almost like you've read my notes, Paul, for the rest of the podcast, because this is one of the topics we've got coming up later on. Um, so I will answer later on when I get to it, just because it comes in t- to line with another topic that I'm going to discuss, which Perfect. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who probably can guess what it is. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll come on to it. The first half, though, um, later on in the first half, as you say, both teams are quite negative, Paul. And there wasn't that many chances, I don't think, in the first half. Southwood did make a good save during the first half. And uh, we ended up taking the lead, Jack. I think it was about 35 minutes in. I can't remember the exact minute. Uh, And this is probably the... And I can't say this word, so I'm not going to even attempt it. But it's complete anti-football, the way we scored the first goal, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, Yes. A nice long ball forward. Um, Carroll flicks it on. Uh, which goes down as an assist, even though I think Hoylet still has quite a bit of work to do afterwards. And you know, for as good as the Allsop save was from the Carroll header, I think it would have had to be something superhuman to to have kept that out. It was you couldn't have placed it better yourself. Um, and uh, I think a, a pretty impressive goal to get Reading under the way for for twenty twenty two. I think it's one we'll probably see in the goal of the year competition. Uh, in about 12 months' time. Um, and, and I think you sort of go into halftime thinking, you know, we've had probably the biggest moment of quality in that Hoylet goal, created the biggest chance. It hasn't been a blistering half of football, not even by Paunovic's standards and certainly not by by, by Reading and some of the, the standards that some of these players have set over the past few years. But an effective one and one where, OK, we haven't scored with the best chance and it's been a bit route one. Um, but But you'd say that, you know, we were keeping it relatively tight, creating probably the better opportunities. And even when we weren't creating the opportunities, getting into those positions with what I thought in the first half was a reasonably effective long ball tactic of trying to get in behind Jagielka, who looked like he was having a thoroughly miserable game, um, it, marking Andy Carroll and dealing with long balls and pace up on the wings. Yeah, that, that long ball looks like something they must have been working on for a few weeks because every single ball was aimed towards Andy Carroll-Paul. Just long ball after long ball, just basically aim it at Carroll. If he's in the box, put a cross into him. Don't worry if there's anybody else in there, just stick it in there if Carroll's in there. And that was that, that seemed to be the tactic for pretty much the whole first half. It was pretty effective, though. Well, I, I can't say that it, it worked. didn't work. It worked, didn't it? But yeah, um, that, was, that was pretty much our only, yeah, our only game plan. I'm not sure what our other tactic could be. You've got Andy Carroll in your team... You really should be doing that. I mean, I wouldn't want us to see us doing that with other players in the team uh, going forward. If you had a Lucas Jow in there, I don't think you should do that. But um, it worked. It worked enough. Um, the goal came from it. And as Jack said, uh, Toilet had a hell of a lot to do from that. It was a fantastic strike. But there was so many opportunities to get the ball into the box. There was one time when he crossed the ball. I think it was Rabin crossed the ball. And if uh, Andy Carroll had actually not gone to the back post and has stayed and go, stayed in the middle of the goal. I'm not saying he definitely would have scored, but he would have had an absolutely fantastic chance. But these are the little moments in games. So that's like that, saying he played really badly because I don't think he I did. can remember that. And it was a fantastic yeah. cross from Raman. 
Uh, and but I think the only reason he actually pulled off that cross in the first place was because Carroll moved to the back post almost. Yes, uh, but yeah. I completely can understand your point. It did. I think during the first half, it definitely felt like maybe we had the upper hand. A draw wouldn't have been unfair, but certainly we weren't being particularly challenged, particularly by Derby, Jack. I, yeah. yeah. Can I just say? I thought. Can I just say that we thought that. We were on ahead of them on chances, but not on overall play. Yeah, I I'd agree with yeah. that. I think we 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 probably edged it on to, in terms of chances, but certainly, mm. yeah, overall play, maybe not so much. Yeah, that's why I think it was it was unusually effective and clinical, rather than as wasteful as we have been in in previous weeks. The whole game, in particular, um, felt that we were quite dominant but then not creating any chances or when we did not doing anything with it um i think the uh, as the first half went on it seemed increasingly likely that derby's only opportunity was those horrible corners where everyone stands on the keeper and you're just hoping that it's going to be a reading touch first because if it's a derby touch first it's a goal um and it might just be because i was at the other end of the pitch having kittens every time the ball came into the box um but i think that looks like derby's most likely output um was those sort of deliveries in um and 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 i felt that on the balance of chances we were we were looking at reasonable value for our lead um but yeah would not have been um completely shocking to be going in level at at halftime the second half wasn't good I, i like i don't really i don't know if there's a way to really describe the second half the actual performance, despite the fact that we conceded two goals, and I understand the result is awful and the way we collapsed is terrible, but the actual second half performance, Jack, was probably one of the worst I've seen in absolutely ages. It's so sloppy when we actually had the ball. Uh, we didn't have the ball all that much anyway. I, I read a stat on Sky's report earlier, which said that Derby had 80% of the ball in the second half. Yeah, How, how is that a thing when we're at home and we're 2-0 up? Like... The, it, I it don't. Was, I don't understand. It's just not. It just wasn't. A, what like what can they possibly be planning during half time to come out and produce that kind of second half? It was. It was absolutely staggering. Um, the the free kick that we won for the goal came out of very little. We were already really looking like we were trying to sit in a bit and just ride out the first fifteen minutes, and then if we'd have done that, probably the next thirty um in, in in the second half i think one of the bigger frustrations from my perspective is whilst carol is probably the biggest man on most pitches we were quite keen to use him defensively but that meant that we had nobody to hold the ball up up front and, and i think when you then get stats like derby having 80 percent of the possession that's because when we're clearing the ball out there's nobody to clear it to how, how do you release the pressure if you're only able to get the ball halfway out of your half to to derby players again and and it's not like carol's going to be the guy sprinting forward i thought actually in the first half he did a good job on the press but second half i don't think he was ever going to be that player then racing out to to try and, and win the ball again um and whenever we did get that ball it was running it straight into a crowd of derby players whether it was swift whether it was lauren Moffin, it was swift um it was a bit bit frustrating to watch us just find as somebody on twitter said the other day find like new and innovative ways of giving the ball away um at every possible turn uh, just to keep the derby pressure on us 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I've seen some poor ways to try and hold on to the ball. But Swift and Laurent yesterday in central midfield in the second half, I just, I, I don't really understand what they were trying to do with the ball. I, I get that Carroll wasn't up top to try and, you know, to hold the ball up. But at that point, we were 2-0 up in the game. Um, I know we haven't, we'll come on to how the goal came around, but the uh, we were 2-0 up in the game and, and too many times, Swift and Laurent, it was just so sloppy. Passes were poor. They were running into players. Um, decision-making was just very, very, like, slow. Um, I mean, Paul, the second half, what did you think of us going for? Well, I say going forwards. What did you think of us trying to keep the ball? Going forwards? Uh, it was, it was nothing, non-existent. Nothing, I, I really. Can't, can't I mean, immediately that. we did score the goal. Uh, so you have to look at that. And Junior Hoyle did exactly what everyone should do. Just put the ball in the back of the net, hit the target, and then you need a little bit of luck. But as an attacking unit going forward and attacking and trying to manage the game in the second half, it, it wasn't there. Um, even as the most, you know, even we're all quite biased towards Redden, obviously. As you're, if you're a Derby fan, you're thinking, if we get one goal here, we've got a chance because they're just sitting and waiting. They're there to be taken. And Josh Lauren has not performed well for a good few months now. I don't think he's played that well. John Swift is obviously a very good player. He's not going to play magnificently every single week. That's just not going to happen. He's not a player of that ability. I I do think that probably the last four or five games we've seen Swift in now, too often we've seen him kind of try to do too much. Uh, like disagree with me if you think differently here, but I, I feel like you almost see him pick up the ball and he feels like he needs to produce every time he picks up the ball. But you can see so why you don't though, see... That's the problem, isn't it? You can see why he's got that problem. I, I understand I understand it, but he doesn't yeah. do the simple thing. Like mm. he could lay the ball off five yards and we can keep the ball, but he's a lot, a lot more probably, I don't know, since mid-November, I would say, he's, he's choosing to keep the ball and try and beat a player or try and spin around two other two defenders and then lay the ball off 20 yards rather than just playing the ball backwards five yards and keeping mm. the ball. I, Do you think he was doing that yesterday, though? A little bit. Yeah. Um, I can remember one or two times in the second half he did. Um, I think it was probably one of his poorer games this season. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do a lot yesterday. Uh, there's no doubt. There was one cross there and that was it. If Andy Carroll scores, you say, fantastic, there's an assist. But apart from that, he hasn't really impacted the match at all, has he? It, it was quite a frustrating performance from the whole team in the second half. But we'll come into more detail, won't we? Yeah. Let's let's go through the, the goal very briefly, Jack. Um, it's a good free kick. It looks like it's, it's pr- almost pre-planned, right? It's John Swift knocks it to the back stick and it's been aimed at Tom Holmes. Yeah, um, it's a good knock across from from Holmes. I thought it might have been Halilovic that took the free kick, but yeah, he was otherwise oh, forget about it. Um, but that was just about the only thing I think he managed to conjure up. Um, but it was a good knock across from from Holmes. Um, I think people will say the goalkeeper could have done better, but I think when the ball's hit at you from that distance, you're probably not going to be able to do an awful lot about it. Um, it's a well taken finish. Um, at that point, you sort of think hang on, we've almost got a set-piece routine going here um, that, that looks quite clever, that isn't just Swift putting it in the top corner. That's quite nice. Um, but, but 
you know, we never really managed to get ourselves in a position to to do anything again for the rest of the half. Probably the the closest we got. There was one cross from Araruna that was an absolute peach to Carroll, who managed to put it a fair way wide. Um, uh, about. 20 minutes from time but aside from that i think we offered offered remarkably little going forwards and and didn't really find ways of sort of replicating those sort of patterns of play i can already see paul is wanting to come in here because he's heard the name felipe araruna and wants to oh no no don't start no no no. i'm not going to start on that he's only just come back i don't want to start on him i'm just going to point out that there was one other chance and that was aziz just after the uh, derby scored their goal and i don't know how close that was because i couldn't it showed it on TV, but there was no actual proper replay. So, um, yeah, that was a bad hit, though. There was nothing else. But Araruna, there's a separate topic, isn't it? I mean, I mean, we can discuss Araruna very briefly. I don't think there's that much value in it personally because he's been told he can leave. So, mm. chances yeah, are, yeah, but he didn't have an option yesterday, though, did he? Really? No. Chances are, yeah. we're going to see him play four games this month, and then he's probably never going to play for the club again. And I don't want to sound particularly harsh there when I say that, but that's. The reality of the situation, isn't it? Yeah, he got. Um, he did some good things yesterday. He definitely did do some good things. It wasn't all bad in the first few five minutes of being on the pitch. He made multiple blocks and um, kind of anticipated danger, but also he got absolutely destroyed a couple of times, um, which is a bit of a worry because we know right back. He, he's not very good at right back and. He'll upset some people, but I just don't think he's good enough for the championship. And I've seen him playing Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough, what we're talking about, in midfield and also right back. And I just don't think he's got the quality. I don't think it's lack of desire and all those things, but just not quite good enough. We won't dwell on our arena, uh, but we will dwell on what was just an awful 10 minutes. Um, and we could probably spend 20 minutes talking about this 10 minutes because it was this bad. Uh, Jack, Luke Southwood, is the blame on Luke Southwood for the first Derby goal yesterday? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, it, it, it has to be, unfortunately. Um, if he, if he catches the cross as he's been doing since the Fulham game, um, pretty effectively, um, they don't score that goal. Um, arguably they then don't score two afterwards, but there's a bit of a, what would happen who knows we might have found different and, and exciting ways to to throw away a two-goal lead um but yeah i think i think you have to put the blame um at him for that goal i think there is a balance to that though which was that he made a couple there's one in the second half from lawrence of fantastic saves um and and with southward you kind of do have to take the rough with the smooth i'd have said exactly the same about Raphael. there will be games where he makes mistakes and there'll be games like the Fulham game where he he wins us the game. Um, it's frustrating when those happen and you try and iron out those mistakes. Um, but I think for Southwood, the unfortunate thing is the two mistakes that he has made today and against Hull has cost us points. When Raphael made mistakes, it was normally in positions where we'd already lost the game or we'd already won the game. So they didn't cost us points. And that's just the sort of, I guess, outcome bias that people might have around it. Um, but I don't think that um, the, the question will be whether Southwood can bounce back from it because straight after that, there was another cross into the box that he flapped at. And Dan, I think it was, had to have a bit of a word with him. Um, but if he can come back in the next game, whether that's Fulham or Kidderminster, and I'd hope it's Fulham, um, just 
to give him uh, hope hope that he comes out of that with with the same sort of confidence and, and still coming for the ball because he's done very very well at that um for for a number of games now i think i would i would personally play him against Kidderminster. I I feel like I'm probably going to be in a very small minority there, but I would personally play Southwood against Kidderminster. Um, I can already see Paul shaking his head. Just purely because, can anybody remember the last time we kept a clean sheet? Uh, this is a trivia question for you. Uh, really, thanks for throwing that in in the middle of recording a podcast there. <laughs> so, it wouldn't uh, be cast clean sheet. Wow. I'm trying to remember when that last was. But it doesn't I'll mean he necessarily played badly, though. No, I mean, it doesn't mean he played badly, but it, wouldn't it be yeah. honest just to try and keep a clean sheet, even if it is against Kidderminster in the Cup? Yeah, but imagine if he lets one in. <laughs> it's like, you're better right. off leaving that to Raphael, aren't you, really? The, the, I mean, the Raphael surely is... has to play in that game. <sighs> yeah, maybe. I, I think he does. I think we're going to make multiple changes for that game. Uh, I don't think we want to be risking many players for that game because our squad is so thin and it's so I would, no i wouldn't nothing. suggest playing a full first team squad or anything but i would like to see us keep a clean sheet just for just because i just don't think it's going to happen many times this season do you uh, play last, swift no dan no no <laughs> I, to be honest i'd make nine changes and leave southwood in goal um that's it i i just i i don't really buy into cup keepers i don't really think it's a particularly big thing no. Either way, last clean sheet we kept, Barnsley at home, which was October. Wow. Yep. So quite, Wasn't quite that a lucky while. as well? I'm trying to remember uh, that game, Barnsley. I think we were... can't remember, but the, 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 pre- the previous yeah. game was Cardiff away, and that was another clean sheet, and that was very lucky that we kept a clean sheet that day. So, <laughs> um, <sighs> Paul, was it coming yesterday, that first goal for Derby, do you think? Because... I Jack mentioned the thousand percent. See, Jack mentioned the fact that Southwood made a good save, right? And yeah, even then, was... I never felt like Derby were going to score unless we, unless we instigated it. I don't think they created like that's what made me. Th- yeah, I totally chances, agree with that. And I, don't I knew think we'd we... make a mistake, and it would. I wasn't like thinking yeah. Southwood was definitely going to be that person. I just felt defensively, someone will turn off, switch off, and that's it. And then we will concede the goal, and then it will be just just memories of Cardiff at home. Understand? And it just every time we do this, I just get flashbacks to that game and season season defining, right? Yeah, totally. And I mean, yesterday, if we had come away from a win from that game, I would have still have had a lot of doubts, but I definitely felt it was coming. And I think most probably. 99% of Redden fans would have thought that was coming yesterday because they were getting so many crosses into the box. Uh, certainly after the first one, Paul, the second one, as much as you, as much as I sat there and hoped it wasn't coming, yeah. it did kind of feel like it was inevitable almost. Um, and the second one, it's a good cross from, I think it's, uh, is it Nathan Byrne on the yeah. right-hand side? and. It's a great header by Curtis Davis, no doubt. It's a really good header. Holmes is beaten just completely. He, I mean, he hasn't even attempted to try and win the ball there, Holmes. Um, Southwood's got no chance. It's a very good header. Let's give credit where credit's due. But, I mean, we're 2-1 up. with We're 2-0 up with six minutes to go, right? Like, once you've conceded the first goal, this really should be a case of, okay, let's 
batting down the hatches. Let's try and keep the ball for the last five minutes. Um, but because of the way we played, Paul, that was never going to happen, wasn't it? No. No, I, I just felt that it was inevitable that they were going to get another goal. Or if not, another goal, another golden chance. I felt that was kind of... we. I don't know what we were attempting to do. We were attempting to do the West Brom game again. And it's just the pattern, isn't it? Of just sitting, waiting for the goal to happen rather than trying to be proactive in the other way, the other direction. And you can't keep on doing that because teams know that. They will just completely overload you with their players. They will overcommit, not just because they know they need to overcommit because it is 2-1 down for them, but they know there's no danger at all from the other way, the other direction. So they don't need to worry about that. And if you're in the situation when it's 2-1, surely you need to have a little bit of a threat. I realise you have to manage the game and you don't go kamikaze and try and get a third goal. But we've just got nothing. And that's a real problem for us and the manager because what? when are we going to see this change? Is he capable of changing that? And I know that's a separate topic we're going to come on to, but it is entangled with this game because if you're a Reading fan your frustration isn't just with this result it's with all the times we've seen this happen and in particular this season yeah and Jack that's the third time this season at home only at home here that we've done this and we've conceded two goals from being 2-0 up or 3-1 up and not gone on to win the game now we've discussed it a little bit earlier around is this game management and game plan or is this player decisions? Like, where do you put the split? What, like, what, where do you lie some of the blame here? Because it's, it's, it's too frequent, I guess, for it to, to not have some kind of uh, pattern behind it. Yeah, I think, I think it's really difficult to get that split, right? I think the majority of it probably does land, land with Paunovic. Um I think, there are different ways of sitting in and defending. Um, and when we sit in and defend, our back line is so deep. Um, if you compare um, it to, say, Ishmael's Barnsley side of last season, who can, who had the third best record in the league last season when they went ahead, they defend with such a high line that wide midfielders can't really get at your defence because they'd be offside. Now, when we sit so deep, we let them have oceans of space to put balls into the box. And it's happened game after game. Whenever, Whether we're 2-0 up or at any other point when we've decided to sit in, we don't stop those crosses coming in. And the issue yesterday was that to start off with, it was fine because, you know, Plonch and Lawrence were not going to be beating Dan and Holmes in the air. But when Davis goes up for one, he, he is. Um, and, and even if Holmes had jumped, I think he'd probably still have have managed to manage to make a good contact. Um, so I think to that extent, you have to lay some blame um, and, and the majority of the blame, I think probably with Paunovic for, for that tactic. Um, but I do think that there is stuff as well about individual players execution. So when the fullbacks push on up too high and get caught out of position and leave a big load of space behind them, that's not necessarily Paunovic's fault. That's individual players making poor decisions or stepping out of place. When Laurent goes on a run and then loses the ball and isn't covered, that is, you know, the double pivot falling apart a bit. Um, and, and, and I think that there are, you know, I think if any one of the things that went wrong yesterday didn't go wrong, we'd probably have won that game. 
but when players make bad decisions and the tactics are bad and individual big mistakes like Southwood's one occur, then then it's very difficult against a mid-table team, which is what Derby are, um, to to go away with three points. Yeah, as you say, once once it's not just one thing going wrong, once it's multiple things going wrong, players making bad choices, Derby actually playing reasonably well, managers' tactics not really there at all. Uh, it's it's going to be very difficult, I guess, to hang on. And, and Paul, I guess the the reaction yesterday probably wasn't that surprising. I think after the game, uh, this obviously now a much I hesitate to say larger, but there's definitely a a, a growing question around Paunovic at the moment because of the, because of the games like this where we. We all come back after the games and we can all see it on social media. We can all, you know, discuss it with mates at the pub or whatever. We can see the fact that there isn't much of a plan once we go ahead in terms of how we're going to stay ahead in games. Mm. Do you think that that, I guess, do you think that that growing question around Paunovic is, I mean, we know it's not going to go anyway, anywhere. We know it's not going away anytime soon um, because of the fact that, you know, Paunovic is a relatively stubborn manager. But do you think it's going to cost him anytime soon in terms of his job? That's really hard to sell for Larona, isn't it? You know, um, well, that's why we're here, Paul. Answer the hard questions. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to come to it. Don't worry. The last time we saw Larona, he was running around the uh, pitch like a twelve-year-old with Keir Jarcham after a match. But apparently, he's a very private man. So who knows? Who knows what he's going to do next? Um, I do. I think a lot of clubs would have sacked Panovic by now. Um, if we were to say that we were going to sack, we had sacked him. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, we did a poll on um, EPR on the Twitter. Uh, well over a thousand people involved with it on a completely unscientific uh, basis. Fifty-three percent say they want him to leave. 47% still want him here. So that is a sizable chunk of people still want him at the club. Obviously, there's lots of people that aren't on social media. So that's not representative of every single Reading fan at all. But it's a kind of little glimpse into it. And it tells you how angry people are about him still being here or angry that people are even questioning it. That's what I see a lot of is just pure anger either way. And people are really frustrated. I understand that because there seems to be a lack of leadership at the club and transparency because you don't hear anything from the owner ever. And if my biggest issue is not the manager, because that will come and go and change at any moment, who knows that we could have changed whilst we're on this podcast. But the owner... We haven't, just in case. Big, it was the yeah, the owner is a big, big issue. And we can't change that. And that is the major, major issue. And that really annoys a lot of people because they will say, oh, look at all the money spent on the training ground, which I was lucky enough to go to. And you were, Alex. But it doesn't mean anything if it's not on the pitch. The pitch on the pitch, we are terrible. And I don't think that's unfair to say that. We are really bad considering how much money we've spent. So if I was to say where I sit on the Panovich situation now, I think I'm veering towards the Panovich out era that that's where i am but i'm more than happy to go back into panovic in because i actually like him i don't dislike him at all but 
I understand why people have had enough. It's frustration, isn't it? But I also know, is any manager going to make any difference? That's the problem. The same issue is still going to be there. It, it's a real worry. Jack, are you stick or twist on Paunovic? I, I'm stick, but I am right torn in the middle. Um, if you'd have asked me a month ago, I'd have been much more favourably stick. Um, and, and it's getting difficult. Um, I, I think I think it's fair to say the reasons for sticking are not because Paunovic is a master tactician or, or even a particular asset for the club. Um, but more because the decision makers I don't trust to get a reappointment right, um, and and I I think it's really you know there are managers out there that you could look at and say they would do a good job for us. I don't think those would be the ones that Kia would pick on his dartboard of people that he wants to to get into a new job next. Um, but I th- I, I think my bigger feeling is that we have players in this side that are comfortably good enough and showed last season that they're good enough to be challenging at the top end of this championship. And this iteration of the championship is particularly average um, and and they are good enough to get you towards that. Um, I don't actually think that the manager is going to be the biggest deciding factor in whether Reading stay up or not, particularly if the alternative is somebody who is not much different to Paunovic. So part of me wonders if it's not just easier to save the money on buying Paunovic out of his contract and effectively saying, look, either these players are going to be getting us out of the position that we're in or they won't. Um, I think for what it's worth that they probably will, particularly if we don't move Swift on in January. I think there are easily worse teams than us. Um, But I I, I don't think that, or I don't have faith in the, the decision makers to select a manager that is going to get meaningfully more out of these players. Um, I think at some point, you know, they've, they've gone through enough managers themselves. At some point, they have to take on a bit of responsibility and, and start putting in the performance that is regularly that we know that they're capable of and that they have been capable of in the past. I think the decision makers topic is probably one for another day because we could definitely discuss that for 40 minutes on its own. Um, I do agree with with you, Jack, around the players because there's certainly, however much pressure Panovic comes under, ultimately, yes, the players are the ones on the field and they are the ones who are, you know, either getting or not getting the results on the field. Um, yes, Panovic might be setting them up in whatever formation tactics we're playing, but as you say, we've seen them do it last season to an extent, at least. Maybe we were not a top six club last season. Maybe we were a mid-table side if you look across the whole season and and uh, kind of average it out. But should we really be like? Should we really be expecting to be battling at the bottom of the table with Barnsley at the end of the season after Lucas Shaw comes back? After we get Ajaria into the team every week, I would hope not because that's you know the, the players are better than that. Um, and if we're down there at the end of the season, ultimately, I think, as you say, whoever they bring in, because I've seen some names banded around. I've seen Warnock banded around. I've seen Chris Hutton banded around, Coleman, and Aimed, Gareth Ainsworth. I've seen a lot of a lot of names banded around who would be replacements for Panovic potentially. But 
I don't think that any of them are, are realistic names in terms of who would get picked in this scenario, if that makes sense, Paul. I, I don't think, as as Jack said, I think it would just end up being a another you know another dartboard pick from from nowhere who we won't know, we won't have heard of, and probably won't actually have any more experience in English football than Panovic. Oh no, I totally agree with uh, both of you on that. And uh, the next manager we get will be down to Kier. And uh, who knows who that will be? It'll be someone we've probably never really heard of. It will take a few seconds to look up on the elder I, web and find out the other former manager. You know, and if that is the, that club didn't rate him uh, very quickly. If that is the case, <laughs> if that is the case, then is it a case of like, do you stick with Panovic? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Almost it's better than you know. It's like it's Panovic. very difficult. Now it's marginal. I'm like 51, yeah. 49. I can swing weights away. And, you can, I and, can see exactly and understand why there's a split amongst fans because it's a lot of even people, I feel like even people who want him to stay at the moment, like a bit like Jack, it's not a case of I want Panovic to stay. It's just I don't really trust anybody to, to be better who then comes in, who comes in. So it's what's the yeah, I, 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 most? Uh, my slight logic would be that I feel that just a marginal difference could make a big difference in our some of our games. We don't need a massive swing. We're not losing games three or four nil every week. We're just that slight difference in game management. Um, plus the new manager, if he was to come in, would have the boost of having some new players, almost theoretically, as they call players who return after they've been out for a long time, like a new signing. Um, they would come in and he'd have them in the team. And as we've seen with every single manager, if they have Lucas Jow in the team, they have a far better chance of winning games. It, we're so reliant on one or two players, basically John Swift and Lucas Jow now. Last season, it was Michael Elise as well. But this time we don't have him. But I do feel maybe it's time to slightly take him out of that, Panovic, because I feel like, it's almost too much for him. He's had to go through the whole of the embargo situation, which is all behind the scene. He's had to deal with the points deduction. He's had to deal with all the COVID situation at the club as well, which has got really bad, obviously, in the last month. And maybe sometimes you just need a fresh set of eyes to come in. It's not a judgment on him. And I don't think he's terrible or anything. And in many ways, I think he's done a really good job at Reading. That will frustrate some people to hear that. But I just think maybe that's the time. But if he picks up two or three wins in the next league games, I'll be absolutely delighted. There's no no anger from me at all. We won't dwell on Panovic too much further because I feel like it's going to be a topic for the next coming weeks, as is. Um, Reading's next game in the FA Cup against Kidderminster on Saturday. Jack, will we be in the fourth round hat on Monday? Yes unconvinced but yes and Paul how many changes will we make this weekend before Kidderminster uh, 11 and yes we will definitely be we don't we don't have it it can't be 11 we don't have 11 no we'll just pick anyone me and you Alex we'll be we'll be popping up you at left back I'll play oh. centre mid Jack you can go up front job done <laughs> we're through to the next round as long as Southwood's in way good enough <laughs> now um, Kidderminster are full time and yep. people should realise that these are not. We are playing against a proper non-league team who are set up with a structure. Don't take them lightly uh, at all. It's a fun day out, and I get that; it'd be fantastic to go to it. But they're not a joke at all. 
Matt will be back for a preview podcast later in the week to preview Kidderminster. Um, and we will be back at the weekend to discuss, hopefully, a trip into the fourth round of the FA Cup. Yesterday was bad. This season has not been good so far. But, hey, hopefully it can still get better. Speak to you all soon.